بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا ما بعد اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم افتح اقفال قلوبنا بذكرك واتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك امين يا رب العالمين let us please try to move as close as possible and fill up the gaps. Just like, alhamdulillah, we stood shoulder to shoulder in salah. Let us also stand as close as possible uh, in, in our dars here. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to continue to shower mercy upon all of us here. And mashallah, huge sacrifice that we have embarked on, not only of standing up at Qiyam, but also sitting for some time to understand what the verses of the Quran mean. Inshallah, this will be something we'll be doing weekly, I mean, sorry, daily. I remember uh, a couple years ago, I was standing uh, uh, outside afterwards with the security, in the, uh, just saying, you know, just greeting the security uh, person. And he was marveling at the fact that there's Muslims who would come out so late at night, fill up the masjid, and, you know, he could hear the Quran being recited from the, micro, the speakers outside. He says, beautiful. Um, and it's just amazing that you have so many people coming and standing. He says, I don't know what it means, but it sounds great. I said, don't worry, you're not alone. Most of the people inside also don't understand. Right? But still, even though they don't understand, yet they stand. He's like, what? They don't understand? He was shocked at that. He's, he was shocked at the fact that there's so many, and the fact that there was on a weeknight here standing. But then when he found out that we don't understand what's being recited, he was even way more surprised. He said, that's called like, some amazing level of dedication to this book that you don't even know what's being recited, and yet you're standing up and listening. My point is, this is, the, this is what the Qur'an is. You understand it? Alhamdulillah. So many layers of benefit increase. But if a person does not even understand it, simply listening to it's being recited, the power of it is such that it grabs a person's uh, attention. A person gravitates towards it. A person remains focused. And a person enjoys so much. How many patients are suffering anxiety, stress, and others, things of that sort. And you just have the Qur'an recited. Put Surah Taha for them. See what a beautiful, uh, what you call, effect it has on their, on their psyche as they listen to the Qur'an. Any other surah as well, Surah Rahman, Surah Taha, Surah Baqarah, whatever the case may be. A person will feel uh, extremely relaxed. So these are the endless benefits of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I would like to inshallah today dedicate that to just a few points of the benefits we get from reciting Qur'an, listening to Qur'an, and how this is the month where we're supposed to be focusing on that as much as, as, much as possible. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, this Qur'an, it guides you, guides humanity to that which is the most correct, the most upright method of lifestyle. And so, when a person recites and, and ponders of the Qur'an, he will be gaining guidance towards the most sublime and the very best perfect lifestyle. The Prophet ﷺ said in hadith, اِقْرَأُوا Quran, Recite the Qur'an. فَإِنَّهُ يَأْتِي شَفِيعًا لِأَصْحَابِهِ For indeed the Qur'an will come as a witness, as an uh, as intercessor for the ones who hold on to the Qur'an dearly. يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Hadith of Sahih Muslim. What are the many... Yani benefits a person gets by reciting the Qur'an on a regular daily basis throughout the year. The ulama have counted many benefits. From one of them is that safa'u that a person's mind will become clean. 
Their mind gets polluted with all the various things that we are hearing, listening, observing. The purification of the, of the mind as well as the heart, of course, is through recitation of the Qur'an. Number two, قوة الذاكرة. A person's memory will increase. A person will begin to, uh, you know, just be able to focus and, and, and memorize and retain a lot more. Not just of Qur'an, but generally other things as well. If they spend time reciting Qur'an. القلب, one of the most important things for all of us is the uh, contentment of the heart. Feeling relaxed, feeling uh, you know, at, uh, feeling uh, you know, at home, a person not being stressed out by the various things in the world, right? A person, Allah Azza wa says, "Alladina amanu, those who believe, and their hearts, those who believe, their hearts find, con- con- uh, you know, uh, their hearts find contentment with the remembrance of Allah. Listen only with the remembrance of Allah can the heart truly attain." Contentment. So dhikr of Allah is of many types. But definitely the most amazing, most sublime form of dhikr is the Qur'an. It's recitation and listening to it as well. Ash-shu'ur bil-farhi wa-sa'adah. A person who recites Qur'an daily will begin to feel happy and will be able to feel lucky, be able to feel blessed. Right? Ash-shu'ur bil-shaja'a wa quwwata nafs A person will begin to sense and feel uh, you know, chivalry and strength and bravery. And a person will be saved from the, the, the feeling of fear and worry of things that are out there. You know, subhanAllah, some years ago I was reflecting when certain things happened in our politics of this country, and there was fear. Generally, there was a lot of fear. And I was reflecting that at that time, it seemed like everything is over, game over. Like, what are we going to do as Muslims here? And subhanAllah, well, we said, what can we do? What should we do? We're not gonna, we should just pick up the Quran and start reading. So as we picked up the Mus'haf and started reading, Myself and I, I shared this with others and they said, you know what, this is exactly what happened. As we started reading the Qur'an, all this fear of, of, of you know, Armageddon, the whole world's falling apart, Muslims are going to get destroyed, annihilated. SubhanAllah, all these fears that were there slowly just began to disappear. As the Qur'an was recited, the Qur'an was heard, the Qur'an was contemplated upon, these thoughts of fear were gone. Additionally, a person who recites the Qur'an, what happens? His akhlaq will improve. Noor of the Qur'an will become apparent on his, in his character, in his actions, in his speech. So now it will make him beloved amongst the people. People will start gravitating towards him due to his beautified character, beautified actions, beautified um, interactions. Similarly, a person's ability to comprehend and understand more difficult concepts Allah Jalla Jalalu will make it easy for him. Because the Qur'an is the word of Allah. When you spend time reciting and pondering over the word of Allah, imagine how it will sharpen your intellect. How will it sharpen a person's intellect? Additionally, a person who recites the Qur'an on a regular basis, we've seen countless stories, heard of countless stories of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows His people to be protected in their old age. From horrible sicknesses, from dementia, from uh, you know extreme d- d- types of sicknesses where a person cannot do anything becomes uh, you know as Allah subhanahu wa says the one who give a long life we give a long life then he starts going opposite in his creation meaning he starts becoming childish as he grows older that you start becoming muhtaj in need of everyone so. I'm sure you can think of some scholars or some elders in your back home village or somewhere around wherever you've experienced people in their 90s 
But subhanAllah, their intelligence, their, 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 their alertness, their ability to stand up and pray, you know, on their own, to do their wudu, take their shower, men wash their clothes also, you know, subhanAllah, take care of all these things. What is that? That's a barakah of the Qur'an. That's why many ulama have said, the one who teach hadith and who recite Qur'an abundantly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow them to lose their mind in their old age. This is the barakah of the Qur'an. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it. There was a clip. There's too many clips there, man. But there was one video of a father and a son. Half of the Qur'an, elder father, subhanAllah, who lost everything. His, all his, yani, he couldn't remember things much. But the son was sitting next to the father and speaking, in, and he would, just re, he would just recite Quran, and the father would get so happy and excited and would start reading. Because he, 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 he had forgotten many things, but one thing he never forgot at that even old, old age was the Quran. So he couldn't remember much, but all he, he, he desired was that he should be able to recite Quran. So the son would come sit next to him and start off one ayah, and then the father would start reading. Right? It's a very beautiful sight. So this is the physical benefits that a person gets of reciting Quran. Similarly, Allah Azza wa Jal's pleasure and happiness a person will enjoy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's tawfiq to do good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala putting barakah in his sustenance. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saving him from calamities. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granting him paradise on the day of judgment when the Quran will come and defend this individual who recited it. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned in hadith, a hadith, a sahih hadith or a Hassan hadith man qara'a harfan kitab Allah whoever recites one word from the book of Allah falahu bihi hasana he will get one ajr for every letter wal hasanatu bi ashari amthalha and then that hasana is times 10 la aqulu alif lam mim Allah Rasulullah said i do not say alif lam mim is harf alif lam mim dhalik al kitab al arabi is alif lam mim is not one harf walakin Alifun harfun. Alif is one letter. Lamun harfun. Lam is one letter. Mimun harfun. Mim is one letter. So alif lam mim. You heard after Surah Fatiha today, this uh, this evening, that already gave you how many rewards? Thirty. Thirty rewards just by alif lam mim. Now imagine how many letters we have recited today in one juz and a quarter that was recited. Five quarters that was recited today. Imagine how many thousands of blessings. That is outside of Ramadan. Now imagine in Ramadan in the state of wudu, in salah, in a masjid, where hundreds and thousands are together praying. Allahu Akbar. There's the levels of ajr. And then, at a time when it's so difficult for people to pray. For so many people, it's difficult for them to identify themselves as a Muslim. For so many people, it's difficult to come to the masjid. It's not popular. It seems the masjid is packed. What is this? 5% of the Muslim population. Let's be honest. 5% it, at most. This is not the Muslim population. If the Muslim population comes, subhanAllah, even the all-state arena and 10 other ones will not be sufficient. Because how many we are? Look at how many people at work, how many people at school, how many people at universities. Subhanallah, our Muslims, where are the senses? The senses say there's 7% population or not 7%, 3% or so population. So millions. But if you collect all the people who came on the first night of Taraweeh and across the whole Chicago and across the United States, you will not even find probably 5% of that population. So this is something our mind usually doesn't go to. We just get excited by a lot of people, which we should. We should be happy. But also, as, as people who are working for the betterment of the ummah, we should not always just be looking at how much, we ha- how much is in, but rather we have to look at how much work we have to do. The work is huge. The amount of work that needs to be done is massive. So now in this, in, in this mahol, in this environment, you and I came here. So our ajr is even greater because it's not the in thing to do. 
when it's not summer, it's not the days are off, yet you and I, Allah accepted us to be here. You see what I'm trying to say? I'm, why did I just give you this negative news here? I'm trying to explain to you that you coming here is giving you even more ajr. Because you're living at a time when no, not everyone comes. It's not the era of the Sahaba. Cannot imagine the Sahaba, Ramadan is there and people, Sahaba not showing up. Even the Munafiq and the hypocrite would come, you know, outside of Ramadan for from Fajr and Maghrib or Fajr and Isha because he knew that if he didn't show up, his cover would be blown. And people would know that he's a hypocrite. How could he not show up? So these are the various reasons why every harf that we are reciting and every harf we are listening to in, in Taraweeh, inshaAllah wa ta'ala, is going to be extremely rewarding. Now that is just some of the benefits that a person gets. Additionally, one more benefit, the Prophet ﷺ said, يُقَالُ لِصَاحِبِ الْقُرْآنِ The one who recites the Qur'an, the one who memorizes the Qur'an, will be told on the Day of Judgment, اِقْرَأْ Recite. وَرْتَقِي Climb. وَرَتِّلْ كَمَا كُنْتُ تَرَتِّلُ فِي الدُّنْيَا Recite beautifully, slowly, nicely, the way you used to recite in the world. فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَكَ أَنْدَ آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا For indeed, your spot in paradise will be at the last ayat that you recite. The more Qur'an you memorize, the more Qur'an you recite, that is exactly how higher we will be, insha'Allah, in paradise. Now, beyond that, what are the etiquettes a person should have when reciting Qur'an? One, ikhlasun niyyah. A person should have niyyah that I am reciting for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, a person should try their best to have siwak, miswak. Dental hygiene. Because why? You are reciting the words of Allah. You want to make sure your mouth is fresh when you're reciting the Qur'an. We, we should all be doing miswak. But in the month of Ramadan, inshallah, this is a perfect time for us to give even more emphasis to this sunnah. And hopefully it will stick with us afterwards. One dentist, subhanAllah, he told me recently, he said, I, you know, I've seen the teeth of Muslims and, and thousands of teeth of Muslims and non-Muslims. And he told me, he said, a certain, a certain, certain scholar, he said, I have never seen better teeth than his. And he said, you know, he, hasn't, he doesn't go to yearly or monthly dental checkup. So the dentist is telling me. He said, the reason I asked him is that he does miswak. And then the dentist said, well, not everyone's miswak comes out like this. MashaAllah. The dentist himself told me, he said, it is the yaqeen that this person has when he's doing miswak that I can see the benefit of that. That when he says, this is the, this is the sunnah of Rasulullah this will give me beauty, in, uh, this will give me beauty on the day of judgment, this will beautify my teeth over here. This, uh, what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Miswak is a means of purifying your mouth and a means of earning your pleasure of your Lord. The Prophet ﷺ loved to do miswak. Right? Loved to do miswak. As soon as he woke up, as soon as he met, uh, before he did wudu, uh, as soon as he, before he walked into the house, as, before he would go to sleep, many narrations, before he would st stand up for salah, till the last minute, he would be doing miswak. And I just wanted, I just, a thought just came to me. That many of us will say, brother, miswak, this is brother, you know, old stuff. We have toothbrush and toothpaste. You never heard? Oh yes, we all have heard. But I'm asking you, do you seriously think Rasul, just imagine, you know this story. Rasulullah is passing away last moments. His lap is his head is in the lap of Aisha radiallahu anha. Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr walks into the into the house. The brother of Aisha radiallahu He's doing miswak. Rasulullah is so weak he can't speak. He can't say anything. He can't even gesture properly. But with his eyes, he's simply staring at Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. He's looking at him. Aisha radiallahu looks at him and and says, "Do you want the miswak that he has?" And he signals yes. So then she takes the miswak from him, she softens it, 
He doesn't have the ability to put it in his mouth and rotate it. He doesn't have the ability to do anything, to, to soften it by chewing it. So she chews it, she softens it, she puts it in his mouth and then uh, rotates it around his mouth. And then she says, the Prophet ﷺ literally died while his, while his Mubarak blessed head was on my, between my lap and my chest with my saliva being in his mouth. With my saliva, meaning the saliva on the miswak, being in his mouth. I'm asking you, do you seriously think Rasulullah would want to pass away with a toothbrush and crest toothpaste in his mouth doing this? Is this, this give, does that depict Rasulullah that he's walking around before he speaks, meets his, enters his wife, let me enter his room, let me brush my teeth before I say salam to you. You're there. As soon as you stand up for salah, bring out here, aim toothpaste and start huh? Tooth, toothbrushing. It doesn't add up. Miswak is not just dental hygiene. It's something way beyond that. People who are literalists, that's what they think. We who, or you and I who hopefully understand miswak, we're not literalists. It's rather the other people who say, you know what, miswak, come on, just look at the spirit of the sunnah. The spirit of the sunnah is you, you have your mouth clean regardless. Well, guess what? Today's, I mean, toothbrush, a proper toothbrush that you do, once a day. It's a, it's twice a day. Maybe twice a day. Why would you be doing 10, 15 times a day? Well, you think, you think Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there was something wrong with his mouth? What was it? Miswak is, is rewarding. It's not about simply, you know, just making sure that there's no germs in the mouth anymore. It's, there's, there's things that you and I don't understand. That is why from amongst the many thousands or hundreds of benefits that have been written about miswak, one of them is that a person will be blessed to be, be, a, be blessed to recite the kalima as he dies. You, I mean, really, does that have to do with toothpaste? Husnul khatima, good ending. Especially when we brush our teeth and use toothpaste and floss and uh, everything else, not regarding it as sunnah, but because we have to do it. So then there's no even reward in that. There's no even reward. If a person uses a toothbrush and toothpaste and floss and he says, I am doing this because Rasulullah emphasized dental hygiene, then he will get reward. But if you do it because that's your natural, mundane, normal lifestyle and everyone does that, then there's no reward in there. Reward will come when we regard it as something necessary for a Muslim to do. But then we should not stop there. On top of that, we should have a miswak. Subhanallah. But, you know, unfortunately, my beloved brothers, we have to be, you know, there's got to be someone who speaks on these issues. When is the last time you heard a khutwa on miswak? When is the last time you heard a khutwa on covering our head and wearing a topi, a kufi? When is the last time we heard a khutwa on the importance of addressing to a certain way to the masjid? These things no one speaks about. But just 30 years ago, many of our foreign-born elders, not once would they enter a masjid with people dressed in a manner that we're dressed today. Sometimes I give Jum'ah khutbah in some masjid. I'm looking as I'm from the member, trying to find one guy, one person who's had his head covered in the whole crowd. Yet those very same people who are coming to that masjid, when they grew up, they dare enter the masjid without their head covered. That's what society... So was that messed up? Was 50, 14, 1500 years, we lost it. Now we became enlightened. There's, this is not a Desi cultural thing to cover your head. This is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. There are whole entire books. The crown of the believer is a whole book dedicated. It's got about 70 ahadith in there on the sunniyah of covering the head. This is nothing to do with indo pak This is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. <laughs> but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires certain groups of people to practice things. I remember one Arab brother went with me for Umrah. And he's like, man, you know, subhanAllah, it seems like we follow two different deeds. He was, he was benefiting, learning, he was enjoying. He said, I never understood, I never knew you have to pray sunnah before salah and after salah. I never saw it in my masjid. I'm seeing you all do this, I come to a desi masjid and I see this happening. What is, but now I'm ready to follow, you know, what if, if it's a sunnah, I'm ready to follow a sunnah. Whoever does it. 
Because those are things that our elders emphasized. And today, unfortunately, we're not emphasizing this. So what's happening? We're losing it. We're losing these things. So if we as a second or first generation in this country lose this, what do you expect what's going to happen in 150 years over here? Game over, man. That's exactly what you already see what's happening. If these basic sunnats are not there. So we're going back to miswak. Miswak is not something we should feel. A'udhu billah. Yani this is something that, not, that is expired. I've heard some very scary things. Paiye miswak is from an uncle. Ye to paise banane ka dhanda hai. Uh, this is a money-making scam. This whole miswak thing. You see the, see the brush karo? Just use your toothbrush. What is miswak calling it a sunnah and selling it? This is from all the things you could make money. They found miswak. How much money profit is to be made in miswak, brothers? How much profit is to be made in miswak? Similarly, I told one person, you know, we're give, making a gift bag for some some celebrity. Someone said, oh, I know this celebrity. I said, khalas, take this book bag. Take some books from the bookstore. So one of the brothers, he put a miswak in the bag. When that person looked at, it, he said, what? Are you crazy? You think, you know what will happen if I get to him? He'll just throw this back. This is the reason he is disconnected from the Muslims. We're not going to change the deen if you think this is below your dignity. My Nabi is the most honorable person. If you have a problem with that, I don't care. That's what my Nabi was. And he stopped saying you're a follower of Rasulullah If you are not proud of how he looked, how he dressed, and how he lived his life. What do you mean you got turned off by Islam, by Miswak? What's that supposed to mean? How would you ever sit in the Prophet's gathering then? These are the statements that people speak about. Yes, naturally you have to follow etiquette. Just like we're not gonna brush our teeth sitting here on the mimbar. Similarly, we should not take the miswak and do it in front of everyone. Naturally, there's a place and a method of doing miswak. Yeah? So you follow that etiquette. But no one should think that subhanAllah, this is, you know, archaic old things. And once there was a person, a very famous celebrity, giving a talk in front of thousands of people. And that's one of the things he said. He said, today's scholars and today's people, what do they talk about? They talk about miswak. Myself, I have never given a whole talk dedicated on miswak. I should. Inshallah. But my point is, how often have you, how many of you all have heard of talk, uh, khutbah miswak? Any of you have heard? But look at this, this, this mentality that's being made by the people, on the, the famous people. That, oh, today, the scholars and the mullahs, they just, all they talk about is miswak. They're not being with the times. But if we always spoke about is, is kurta, topi, and miswak, that would be sufficient. And that was a sunnah we're speaking about. Not to say sufficient, that whole deen is in this. But meant to say, if you're, as long as you're speaking about the sunnah, Hakim Akhtar, rahmatullahi alayhi, you might have heard of his name, one of the elders, Mashaykh of Tasawwuf in Karachi, rahimullah. You know, there's a few things you used to speak about all the time. And those, one of those things was, for example, guarding the gates. Every bayan was the same. Every bayan. He'd always be emphasizing the same things. Keep your, keep your uh, lower garment above your ankles. Okay? You know, grow out your beard uh, and lower your gaze. Don't look at uh, what you call uh, women and don't look at children of young age either. You'd always mention this. And the fourth thing, I'm forgetting what that was. But this was something, subhanAllah, every bayan. You think by these elders were smarter, more intelligent, more well-rounded, uh, more close to Allah than you and I. But they, they understood that if these basic things are present, then the rest of the deen also a person, inshallah, will have. But if a person starts thinking that now these things are extra, they're not necessary, then what's going to happen? I tell you, you and I were sitting here because our parents forced us to come to the masjid when we were little kids. I remember we used to have a little Ziploc bag with Cheerios and chips and stuff, you know, put in our bag. We're six, six, five, six-year-olds. We sit there in, in Tarawi also. SubhanAllah, sometimes we used to eat. Kids, 
Okay, but they didn't say you can go sit down. You have to stand. You have to stand for all 20 raka'ah. There's no ifs and buts. We don't care you're 6 or you're 16. That type of upbringing allows us to be sitting here. If our fathers and mothers said, okay, but you know you're nabalik, you're only 6, 8 years old, Chalo, go sit there and play. They didn't have cell phones and all this other stuff, but you know, just go sit there in the back. We wouldn't be sitting here. So if we start becoming relaxed on our taraweeh for the kids, our fasting for the kids, my beloved friends, the deen will not last the next generation. We have to make sure, whether weeknight or weekday, uh, weeknight or weekend, full Qur'an, khatmul Qur'an, our children need to listen. And it should be for the entire taraweeh. And come to the masjid and fast. Yes, they don't have to fast if they're seven or eight, but as they grow older, I'm receiving questions of, you know, I, I, I am going to fall behind in med, my medication if, I, if, uh, my, you know, if, I, if I'm 16 year old, if I take it. I'm not going to be able to, you know, practice fully in my, in my what? Football practice. These are genuine, I'm not making these up. These are the questions that come. So can I not fast? What will happen in the next generation if these are the questions that are coming now? So hold on to the basics, which is the recitation of the Quran, which is a sunnah. Uh, of, of miswak, sunnah of, of, of performing taraweeh, sunnah of, of covering up our heads, sunnah of coming to the masjid for salat with jama'ah. These things, let's not overlook them. So I was coming back to the etiquette of Quran. Ikhlas of niyyah, number two is miswak, number three, tahara, to be in the state of purity. It is much more rewarding to recite Quran in the state of wudu, rather than without wudu, although it is valid. To recite Quran in a clean place, to recite Qur'an facing the Qibla. To, to sit with adab and respect. To sit with adab and respect. The adab, may Allah bring it back into us. There was one father who came to me. Again, these are foreign-born uncles and youth also. This community that's born and raised here like myself, you know, we're, we've lost it, man. We have no etiquette. He came to me after Asr. He said he was very worried. He said a big maslah, a big problem happened. I said, what happened? You know, my daughter was in the car. She was coming to Maktab. I'm like, oh my God, then what? She's five years old. I'm like, oh my God, she got lost. She got in a car accident. Something happened. I was so worried. And I'm not making this up. You should see, the, you should see his facial expressions. He was genuinely so scared and worried. And I said, kya hua, bhai? what happened? That the para that she was bringing, the five-year-old, it fell from her hand to the carpet and the floor in the car. What should I do? SubhanAllah. You're all looking at me like, well, I'm like, bhai, you should, you know, kiss the Quran, put it back in, and give, if you, if you, feel, you feel really guilty of it, give some sadaqah. But do we, like, I'm trying to say, look at that other prayer. Now you say, brother, where do you get the dalil for kissing the Quran? I'm going to put it right here on the floor. That's what you see. That's what you see. Where the, I think people will sit lying on the floor reading. People will sit there with their feet extended. Alhamdulillah, we should make shukr that we are very frank and open over here and you are all so beautiful, humble, amazing brothers and sisters who listen. This is not normal, this masjid over here. I travel a lot. I see. It's so frustrating for me, but I can't see it because I'm a guest. I'll stand up and give it a khutbah and literally all the people, 10% sitting in front, 90% on their walls with their feet extended. Like they're watching Sunday football. And it's Juma khutbah. Who's going to say that's the responsibility of the local imam to speak to them. That is if they have an imam. But like, alhamdulillah, that doesn't happen here, does it? Alhamdulillah, we should thank Allah, thank Allah that we're learning adab here. And we're taught adab. 
And these people don't know. They're good people, but no one taught them. No one reminded them. That's why they do this stuff like this. That how can you sit in the house of Allah, read Quran with your feet extended? Khutbah is going on. You're sitting with your feet extended against the wall. Relax. Like you're on your sofa. No, my friends, this is the house of Allah. There's waqar here. When you hold the book of Allah, there's waqar. There's respect. There's dignity. You saw our elders, how they used to kiss the Quran before they open it. They used to kiss the Quran and put it back. This azama is what will get them into Jannah. You think those people who kiss it this many times, you think, they, you think they're going to disrespect it? You think they're not going to read it? You think they're not going to practice it? Allah Quran Allah said this in the Quran. What is He going to say? He didn't kiss it for, just for the sake of it. He genuinely believes this is the word of Allah. And if you say, Allah said this is haram, He'll say, khalas. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. I don't know Arabic. I don't know a word of Arabic. But I love Allah. I love His word. And if Allah said this, game over. Where is that adab today? Where the hufal don't have that adab, much less other people. My beloved friends, that is why let us teach ourselves and our children that when we recite Qur'an, do that wudu, face the qibla, hold the Qur'an properly, don't put it on your legs, put a pillow, put something else there, uh, don't have your feet extended when you're reciting. You know, all, when a person can do dhikr, yes, chalte pirte, that's true. But Qur'an when we're reciting, a person should, should try to, to recite it with absolutely pure etiquette. If a person is yawning a lot, falling asleep, Stand up, get some chai, some coffee, of course, if you're not fasting, that is. And, and to basically get rid of this, this shaitan that comes when a person recites Qur'an. Um, do, not unnecessarily, do not read too loud if it's going to disturb others. Be careful. You're in a masjid, you're in a hall, if there's other people there, do not allow, recite Qur'an so out loud that other people cannot do their own individual ibadah. Very important as well. And last but not least, try our best that we recite the Qur'an from a mushaf. From an actual copy of the Quran. Let's try our best not to use our phones to recite Quran, unless, of course, you are in necessity, you're on a train, you're traveling, you, can't, you don't want to disrespect the Mus'haf, that's a different thing. But when we're at home, when we're in the masjid, let's try our best to actually hold. When your fingers press, go over the verses of the Quran, inshallah, these are going to be a witness on the day of judgment. When you hold the Quran, it's going to be, your hands are going to be a witness. There's so much barakah in holding onto the copy. This phone we use for everything. How many millions of non-mahram men and women come on our phones throughout the lifespan of the, fo- of the phone? News, video, this, that. We don't want to pollute that screen. That polluted screen, we don't want to bring the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on it to recite. So holding onto the mushaf and reciting from it, inshallah, will be very powerful. Today we have spoken about some of the virtues of reciting Quran. And some of the etiquettes of, of, of reciting Qur'an, we've also spoken about the importance of going back to the basics of etiquettes and the sunan and trying to be proud of what Rasulullah had in his life. We may be weak, we may not have it in us, but wallahi, we should never, never, ever think of ever saying anything despicable, uh, d- despising of a sunnah because our iman will be definitely be in jeopardy. If we say anything about Rasulullah's sunnah, even if it was just his habit and not something he told us to do, like eating a certain fruit or eating a certain vegetable. Khalas, you don't like it, no problem, but don't say it. Don't say it, I don't like it. Never say that. And there are many stories of that, of people who've said things like that and how Allah will punish them right in this world. So in, this is the issue of Rasulullah the most honorable person. Miswak is his sunnah. Uh, covering the head is his sunnah. Coming, you know, performing uh, extra nawafil and uh, taraweeh salah in the masjid. 
or you know, in Ramadan. These are all the beautiful practices of our Nabi Sallallahu and the practices of the Sahaba. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He fill my heart and your heart with His true love and the love of Rasul Sallam Sunnah, the love of the Quran. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala make these words ring true for myself and all of us that we become ushak and lovers of Allah and His Rasul, lovers of the Quran. And I ask all of you now to make firm resolve that for the next insha'Allah 29 days that we have, that we are going to recite more Qur'an than we've ever done. So say insha'Allah. I want you beloved brothers to go home and make niya now. I've been talking about it regularly for the past couple of weeks. Alhamdulillah. That we have a niya of doing 2,000 khatmal Qur'ans. Insha'Allah collectively. So everyone here, insha'Allah, please you do calculations. Tomorrow you can come. Maybe we can ask. Inshallah, 10, 5, 10, 15, 20. You go home, speak to your children, speak to your spouse. Collectively, how many Quran can we recite in the month of Ramadan? That's your number. You have to have that number tonight. You have to have a number. Go home or tomorrow at suhoor. Right? Well, discuss this and come up with this number. And that your number, keep on repeating. Put it in the fridge. This, this home, we're going to have 15 khatams or 20 khatams by the, month, by the end of the month, insha'Allah. And insha'Allah, we will recite do, uh, uh, this with all these etiquettes that was mentioned. And now you say, brother, I've never recited even one Qur'an. No problem. Then. Recite one Qur'an. And if you say, I don't even know how to recite. Okay, no problem. Then start learning how to recite with a teacher. Get an online teacher. Get an on-site teacher. Just start your journey. It's not about how much you do. It's rather how much time you spend with the Qur'an. How much time we spend with the Quran? Subhanallah, bihamdi, Subhanakallah, bihamdik. Nashadu Allah ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.